before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Ready Set Podcast. With prices to fit any budget, you can start as either a hobbyist like we are or take more of a professional approach to it. They make it incredibly easy to create your own podcast and will help you record, edit, and publish it to all podcast streaming sites. Uh, if you need to fine-tune your podcast idea, they will give you a free consultation if you reach out to them on their website at www.readysetpodcast.xyz or if you reach out to them on social media. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. I'm Eric Pham. And I'm Olivia Clement. And I'm Isaac Sims. And this is Flyover Film Country, a podcast about movies from the perspectives of three people who live in flyover country. Today, we are going to be covering the second film of Arkansan director Jeff Nichols with his sophomore film, Take Shelter. Eric, way to go. Uh, <laughs> because in our agenda, I had copied the shotgun stories <laughs> intro. And instead of saying that we were going to be covering shotgun stories, you perfectly perfectly stated his sophomore debut not his debut for a second like have we talked about shotgun stories yet i thought i was contented (laughs) (laughs) no i thought this was great um uh and that i wanted to mention in our preamble before we get started so olivia and i have done a solo episode together eric and i have done a solo episode together so now it's y'all's turn to do one what would Eric. be what would be one of the layover episodes that y'all would do together? Ooh, Eric, I, I don't, I have no I idea. I think I think a common ground for us is animation. Yeah, I think I, I think, think that's a great idea. A good one for that, that's a great idea. Well, nice. Yeah, I I want to do that. Let's do that. Yeah, I'm game. Great. Have y'all seen the Watership Down? Huh? Nope. That would be an interesting one to talk about because I feel like that's set in. I don't know if that's set in the english countryside but it's like extremely dark but it's about like their animals and stuff it's animated um okay anyway um eric you have to say on mic doing a little bit of a time jump here so it might get meta for listeners but we just record olivia and i just recorded our wandavision episodes one through three recap eric you have to say your favorite mcu movie since you were not on that call my favorite i have two Really, and they're both from the same, uh, I guess, series. I really like Guardians of the Galaxy one and two, those are my two favorites by far. Nice, Um, Nice. yeah, that's what Olivia said. Oh, really? Yeah, I uh, I said Guardians of the Galaxy volume one mostly because I've only seen volume two once, but Mm. I loved volume one, and then I also said I really love Captain Marvel. So nice, nice. Well, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is. I watched that one like four times in theaters, number numerous number of times. <laughs> it uh, was so good. But I love I love one and I love two a lot. I feel like two gets hated on a little bit, but I love I love two a lot just because of the father son relationship and Kurt yeah. Russell is just an absolute legend and seeing <sighs> the comic movie is pretty awesome. Goat. Yeah, and I I also think that number two looks absolutely stunning. Like probably yes. the most beautiful Marvel yeah. movie. Um, it, yeah. And it's funny because when you go back to one, when you first watch one, you think this is crazy. This is like, there's all this stuff, but it's like when you compare it to number two, you're it's, it's industrial. It's kind of darkly lit. And yeah. then you go to two and it looks like freaking star Wars on acid, which yeah. is how the first one should have been. Yeah. Uh, so I think yeah. getting that different cinematographer was a good, good step for them. So. Well, and I think that like, that's, 
when you think about space, especially, I don't know if you guys ever did this, but like as a little kid, I don't know you, if you guys have ever been to space, but I don't know if you guys have ever been to space. I have uh, Elon Musk took me personally. Wow. Just kidding. Did he take you with? His yeah, son? his son. <laughs> Great. Love his, his son is a cute kid. Uh, Grimes is a little weird. Not surprising. Um, I don't even know where I was going with this before the big started, you said so. here's the thing about space <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah so like oh this is what i was gonna say guardians of the galaxy volume two it it looks like how i i imagined space looking when i was a little kid yes. like it, yes. it's just that's a great way to say it i mean it's just beautiful it, it's vast there i and i think volume one like you said isaac is is definitely more industrial and if it, it feels like almost kind of like we're in a big city somewhere else that's yeah. a lot of the Marvel movies have that kind of dry. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Look to them, which is, uh, I think, a common complaint. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. They're doing. They're getting better at that. They're getting. Better. I mean, I think that you get bringing up Captain Marvel again. I think you get cooler like scenery in Captain Marvel than you did in mm-hmm. maybe other movies as well. So I don't know what I haven't seen it in a long time, so I can't speak for the cinematography specifically. But Doctor Strange is my second favorite Marvel movie be- simply because it is so dazzling. Like I, I, yeah. every time I go and watch it, I never get tired of just experiencing all the crazy visuals mm-hmm. that Scott Derrickson came up with. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, all right. Let's jump into Take Shelter, <laughs> which is not an MCU movie. Not an MCU movie. <laughs> but it is the uh, sophomore effort from our miniseries candidate, Jeff Nichols, as Eric so deftly stated, uh, nimbly <laughs> jumping Just around my mistakes right in the there. agenda. Yep. Yeah. Here's the here's the synopsis for Take Shelter because I would be very surprised if many of our uh, listeners have heard it or uh, seen the movie before. If you have, shout out to you. Plagued by a series of apocalyptic visions, a young husband and father questions whether to shelter his family from a coming storm. Or from himself. Stars Michael Shannon, Jessica Chastain, Shea Wiggum, and Ray McKinnon. What what do you guys what were your impressions of this movie? And how did how did you how would you compare it to shotgun stories? So I really enjoyed this. I wasn't sure what to expect. Um what did you what did you think the movie was about when you read the synopsis? Well, yeah, that was the thing. I was like, it, I don't like a understand. Whole bunch of nothing, like yeah. a Terrence Malick movie. I, yeah, I it was, it was posed to me as a thriller i have to give credit to my good friend andrew jensen for introducing this movie to me this was this this was the second jeff nichols movie i watched we watched it in college together um before i even was paying attention to him as a director but he said it's about a storm and it's a psychological thriller which yeah. i think is a good way to you know put it into a specific genre mm-hmm. yeah it definitely is very psychological which i of course as you guys know, is is my jam. So, it I was thinking about it often from like a like a my therapist perspective, and so that was really interesting to think about. You know how would how would it, people respond to someone who was having having these these dreams and visions and stuff like that? So, which is one reason I was very excited for this episode because, <clears throat> in my opinion, it is an incredibly tender look at you know the fear that husbands and fathers have but then also michael shannon just nails it nails this performance because he is afraid to be vulnerable which is also Mm -hmm. like another 
completely universal fear or uh, problem with with men specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I don't know. It's just this is kind of jumping ahead in in uh, me rambling about just I just loved Jeff Nichols because he he proves again in this movie that he can do this very specific and patient and kind of tender outlook on his candidates like regardless of what he's filming about and in the in the commentary he said that he did have a kid at this point and he just like wasn't sleeping that much and that kind of inspired part of the story just with curtis having the nightmares and that kind of thing yeah it i think that it does like I think that like what you said about men specifically being uh, scared to be vulnerable, because you see that with his interaction, Michael Shannon's interaction with Jessica Chastain in the movie about how she asks him like, what's, what's going on? Like what's happening for you? And he shrugs it off as he's like, Oh, nothing. I just haven't been sleeping that well. Um, And you can tell she like knows he's lying. Like you can tell. And, and they play it. They both play it so great. Yeah. In terms of that, they, she knows that there's a history of mental illness, mm-hmm. which is there, and there are, I feel like there are movies where that, um, like it's all in your head, it's just all in your head, like you know the the person who has mental illness is vilified for like seeing an evil spirit. I feel like mm-hmm. this is like a horror movie trope, uh, and it's mm-hmm. like no, it's all in your head, but then lo and behold, the spirit or like disembodied monster kills right. everyone because they didn't listen to him. It's kind of, it's like stripping that down to a human story where Michael uh, Curtis can't, uh, he can't ignore this sense of dread. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't think this is just me and my schizophrenia. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Eric, what did, what did you think about it? This was my second watch i watched it this was also my second jeff nichols movie um i watched it on blu-ray way back after i saw mud um yeah i also want to point out that uh eric has the blu-ray of take shelter on the shelf behind him uh i need to i'll go back and take a little screenshot (laughs) (laughs) quick story on that one that so whenever like my movie collection i try to like uh every movie i buy i try to like find it in person that's just kind of a fun thing that I do. And that one took me so long to find. I found it at the Hastings in Conway one day. Hey, I, I, I literally, yeah, oh, man, I miss Hastings. That's a nostalgia trip. But I, I yeah. literally went there like every weekend because they have an amazing used movie section. And it finally popped up one day and I got it. I so, think uh, that we have discussed physical media on here. And I know I don't want to uh, take away from your, your thought, Eric. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I... My rule of thumb, which is not the same for you, but my rule of thumb is if I'm going to watch this movie again, I'm going to buy it. But I will very rarely buy something that I haven't seen. Yep. Unless I know that like I'll probably I would probably buy like Seven Samurai or yeah, something yeah. like that that I just haven't seen. But I'm like, this is the great like one of the greatest movies of all time. So anyway, uh, yeah, continue, yeah. continue your thought. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So this was only my second time watching it. But I think I enjoyed it a lot more the second time, uh, second time around. There were things I picked up, little details here and there that I picked up, uh, subtleties from from the from the plot and the characters that I didn't really notice the first time um, after knowing what the ultimate ending of the movie was going to be. 
Um, it was it was really an emotional journey. Um, I really enjoyed Michael Shannon's performance, mm-hmm. Ch- Jessica Chastain's, and Shea Wiggum's performance. Who um, I was listening to the, the Q and A they did at uh, SAG, I think where this movie ended up screening at, and they had they were saying that Shea Wiggum and and Michael Shannon they were saying that they had just come off filming like eight months straight of Boardwalk and Empire into this. And like Michael, I forgot Shea Wiggum is in yeah, he plays a, Empire too. Like okay, corrupt, awesome. like prohibition officer. But uh, and it was it was cool seeing those two talk about that, and then coming into this experience, which was a lot smaller indie type movie, mm-hmm. whereas Boardwalk Empire is this big HBO epic. And uh, it was it was funny. Shea Wiggum said that Jeff Nichols came to him and wanted him to play the the role of his uh Curtis's friend Dewart. Is that his name? Dewart. Do her, yeah, 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 and uh, Shay becomes like, oh, there's no chance because we just spent like almost a year filming Boardwalk Empire. Then Michael Shannon like talked him into it, and uh, that's how that's how they ended up nice. being in the movie together. Cool. Which I think that speaks to how much Michael Shannon clearly <laughs> likes to work with with Nichols, right? I mean, yeah. he's been in every single Jeff Nichols movie, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if yep. yeah, so, not not starring, but definitely I mean, right, at least in a supporting role. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's, I think it's go oh, ahead. Go ahead no, I was no, no, say, I was, it's, uh, yeah, it's awesome yeah. seeing that that, that yeah. team. It's like an <laughs> iconic team. One of the look like a uh, underrated iconic teams. Like you got the Scorsese and De Niro's. Mm-hmm. You got yeah. Jeff Nichols and Michael Shannon. Yeah. Heck yes. That's and a great we, comparison. We stand the both of them. Yeah. There was a in in that same uh, behind the scenes. Jessica Chastain said the main reason she wanted to be in this movie was for Jeff Nichols. So, I mean, huh. there's, there's a lot of praise from the actors to everybody that worked on this project. And uh, it was a, it was really a personal movie. You can tell, as you were mentioning, a lot of the themes that are present in the movie were from Jeff Nichols personal life. So I thought it all translated into a really great story. And that ending was, was so good. Um, I, really ending. I told yeah. Olivia this earlier when we were, um, recording our other episode but and i was gonna tell you eric i got about two-thirds of the way through the commentary last night before i just like got completely exhausted yeah i um, saw you not, uh not updating, making updates to the document at like 2 a.m like what are you doing man <laughs> were you up at 2 a.m no i saw oh you just saw that ago. okay and then <laughs> like when i woke up yeah. like three hours later <laughs> yeah <laughs> opened up the oh, oh gotcha <laughs> not it's like two. it's like that meme uh from it's always sunny where it's like me my friend seeing me up at four o'clock in the morning because I've been up this whole time and then my friend getting up for, for work or something like that. That's just what happened. Yeah. Or like, I'm so glad that you're up early. And it's like me who hasn't been to bed Has, yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that was that was me. That was the latest. I've stayed up in a long time. Anyway, got through like two thirds of the commentary. One of the things that I was very curious about that Shannon uh, or Nichols specifically didn't touch on. And I was going to ask you, Eric, cause I knew that you finished it all, like going through the entire director's oh, commentary. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to do the commentary. I watched the, oh, uh, okay. the just the interview and the Q and a, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, there are notes of like, like elements of faith in this movie that are in, in not, not overtly, but like very, very subtle, just in terms of the storm is apocalyptic. I, I don't know what the storm represents. Um, and, and Jeff Nichols says that there are a lot of uh, everyone that he's talked to that's close to him each has a different take on what they think the storm means and what is happening with Curtis and, and all that. But 
we have to talk about that explosive, just absolutely amazing scene when he and Duart fight at the potluck. And then and Shannon just flips out because up until this point, Sam, uh, Jessica Chastain, his wife, Sam sees Curtis just evolving into mm-hmm. into his fear, into his m- mental health, probably uh, his mom has schizophrenia and you go and visit her in a great scene where she mm-hmm. just, uh, I forget the actress's name, but she, Kathy Baker. Huh. Kathy Baker. Kathy Baker. Yeah. Very, very creepy says, whispers to him. People, I think people are watching me. Um, Which he, yeah. I know that's, that is part of schizophrenia. Sure. Like if you have a uh, paranoid schizophrenia, that is a symptom. A hundred percent. Yeah. So just, you get you get all this evidence that something's wrong. There are clear indications that or indicators that Curtis is having dreams, but mm-hmm. some of them are so lifelike, like when he's driving home and uh, he pulls over and there's the lightning storm, just like lightning's just crackling across the sky. It's really beautiful. And he says, is anyone else seeing this? And he turns back to the car and Samantha's asleep with her daughter in the back seat, and lightning doesn't flash across her face. So there's all these indications that, okay, this is a vision or a dream. This is a vision or a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, when it all explodes, Shannon just rants and, uh, or Curtis just rants and says, you all think I'm crazy, but there's a storm coming. And he's just like best unhinged Shannon. Um, and I wish that I had made it to that scene in the director's commentary. I, so I could have so heard what Shannon and Nichols said about they, it. They talked about that, Shea Wiggum and, and Michael Shannon, they talked about that in the Q&A. Um, that scene was done with all like local local people from the mm-hmm. area they were shooting. And they had no idea that Michael Shannon was going to flip the table and go on an outburst. Uh, oh. Just yelling that. Those are all yeah. authentic okay. uh, reactions. reactions. And uh, they were talking about, like Shea Wiggum and Michael Shannon were saying, uh, this is going to be a heavy scene. Like, are you ready for this? And Michael Shannon's like, yeah. And Jay Wiggum's like, I trusted Michael Shannon to to go to get, just go complete for it, and all the people were not expecting that at all. And it's and, one of the best scenes in the movie. And that's cool. And that's got to be so cool, just from Nichols' perspective, like knowing Shannon's capability. And you don't really get anything like that in shotgun stories, right? But also, but also having filmed so much on Boardwalk Empire at that point, um, Shannon was probably comfortable doing yeah. something at that grand scale, it, which it, is. Awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome he, to think about. His, his character in Boardwalk Empire is, is really funny. He plays a, uh, I think he worked for the FBI and he's like a really religious man. He carries around a Bible. He's really soft spoken. So he's like, like a completely opposite of the usual Michael Shannon trope. So nice, man. He was, he's been, he was on a real string of, of hits from Boardwalk Empire to this to Man of Steel. And I forget, and I forget that Boardwalk Empire precedes a lot of uh, kind of prestige TV. I guess it was kind of in the same. It was in the same era, Game of Thrones. Was it and uh, Breaking Bad? Yeah, uh, it was like AMC, yeah. but yeah, kind of on the tail end. I just I've never watched Boardwalk it's, Empire. There's you'll be surprised at how many like great actors are in that. There's mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that Scorsese get in that. That it's a great watch. Nice, nice. Um, the I, I, we have a section on here for the reception. Um, again. In a in an interview that Nichols did either here at UCA or on a webinar that I attended, 
he said that he made $6,000 off of Take Shelter. So again, wow. like a very small, uh, I don't have the budget in front of me, um, but- It was a million dollar budget. It was a million dollar budget? Yeah. Okay, yep. gotcha. Um, but this movie was very well received. Um, and again, a testament to him and his dedication to make something of quality rather than uh, appealing to what he thinks people want to see. Um, and just being dedicated and patient enough to find a production company and a distributor that is also on board with his vision. So it's cool that that Sony... Sony was the distributor for this and they put it out, but premiered at January in January, 2011 at Sundance. Um, it's screened in May of 2011 at con and it won the 50th critics week grand prix. So that's, cool. it's not the top prize or anything, but it's definitely recognition. Um, mm-hmm. And then it received the Fipresky award from the international federation of film critics Later in 2011, September, it was shown at the Deauville American Film Festival and it beat 13 other contenders to win that grand prize. So this, and then also that same month, it was shown at Toronto International Film Festival and at the 7th Zurich Film Festival, it was awarded the best international feature film. So this movie at the time made an impact in award circles and clearly led Nichols to receive some Academy um, attention for loving later on once he mm-hmm. got to do something more high profile with Matthew McConaughey and Reese Witherspoon in mud. So again, this is, it's an impressive feat. $6,000 is not an impressive amount of money, but it's just, it's awesome hearing Nichols talk about, about these the setbacks and like the things that he had to figure out and the fact that he made $6,000, but it's worth it because this, this, uh, you know, little indie movie about, is it mental health or is it, you know, something really sinister coming, uh, you know, took a bunch of audiences captive, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. There, there are a lot of ways you can interpret the characters and and the ending, especially, um, which is, which is, I think something Jeff Nichols intended is leaving the the ending open for interpretation. Mm -hmm. And how about, um, how about Jessica Chastain? She was really like a nobody at this point in time. I think when this movie came out, she hadn't done anything too big. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not, I should have had her uh, filmography and, don't worry, I'm, I'm looking it up. Everyone. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, Olivia has got she. It. She always plays these vulnerable. She does the vulnerable characters really well. Mm-hmm. Um, she played. She played her part really well. Um, Eric, what's your favorite uh, Chastain performance? I, I haven't seen very many now. I think about it. Uh, probably the only the one that's coming straight to my mind is Zero Dark Thirty and Lawless. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. Oh, I forgot she was in Lawless. Yeah. Lawless is a fun movie. That's a fun movie. Guilty yeah. pleasure movie. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, sorry. I was going to say my, my favorite performance by her is probably Molly's Game. Molly's, oh, uh, Molly's Game is there, good. There are things I don't like about Molly's Game, but she she's, rules she's in it. And Idris yeah. Elba rules in it. It's yeah. so good. So, uh, this came out in 2011. And really before then, she'd been like showing up as as a character like one, a, a character with a one episode arc in tv shows um nothing huge in 2008 she played the character um 
in this movie called Jolene. That's about an orphan who's cr- like traveling across the country. She was in this movie called Stolen, which I don't know anything about. It has John Hamm and Josh Lucas in it. Huh. And she was in another movie called The Debt, which with Sam Worthington. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that movie now. And then what she do you was think in Sam this... Worthington does. He has he, in, he has uh, so much money. He's like, I don't have a... to act in anything if I don't want to. <laughs> he played a <laughs> from he was in some Netflix show that my dad was watching. Was it the Unabomber? Manhunt is he in that Manhunt Unabomber? Yeah, huh. I think that's he's like one of the one of the starring characters. He's not with Paul Bettany as well. Oh really? I don't know. I, my dad was watching some movie. I saw Sam Worthington on TV, and I was like, oh, love Paul Bettany. Yeah, I think but, I I personally think Sam Worthington's kind of wooden. <laughs> But I mean, yeah. like, oh, yeah. he's he's fine <laughs> in a uh, avatar. Serviceable. He's a serviceable actor. Yeah, that that great word for it, Eric. Yeah. Great word. Not you bad, are getting but... so much uh, so much clout in this episode. <laughs> um. So Jessica Chastain also was in The Tree of Life and The Help. I forgot. Yes, she yeah. was in that around role. This she time, played. Right? Yeah. yeah. This also The Help came out. The Help and The Tree of Life both came out in 2011 as well, and I think. The help especially really like put her on the scene despite the many issues with the help as that a, everyone now understands. Yeah, everyone realizes. now is like, oh, this is a bad movie. Not the movie itself is bad, but like the message behind the movie. Is, I've um, never, is it one of those white savior movies? Yes. Yeah, okay. basically. Uh, yeah, Emma Stone is basically the white savior who writes about, um, she's the one who writes about like the help and um gets their stories out and their experiences out and it's based on a book by the same name and it's the same anyway so yeah she was in lawless zero duck 30 mama which oh the was that the horror movie yeah machete yeah yeah um no she's she's really good in this i'm trying to think so that scene she's in interstellar as well yes yeah yeah Yeah, but yeah yeah. Yeah. she's not i mean she's not in it she's in it for like two scenes right yeah yeah guys i forgot she was in dark phoenix (laughs) we are gonna do i forgot dark phoenix i don't like thinking about dark oh man i I forgot we're gonna do dark phoenix versus new mutants we are gonna do it or it would be so entertaining (laughs) she's also in it chapter two which apparently everyone hated. oh yeah i forgot i I, I liked it the most forgettable horror movie uh, ever except that that first scene when she goes to her old apartment with the lady is it started off so promising but the ending was kind of goofy it was yeah it was kind of like last year um but i was still scared i was gonna make a uh jessica chastain oh yes the 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 thing that in the commentary as far as i got last night before i literally like nodded off at my my desk (laughs) um was the scene where Curtis is having the seizure and then the the ambulance comes and they and he's like I'm okay and they did like they checked him and then they left. The scene where he's talking to Sam at their kitchen table is so powerful. Like per- personally as a husband um watching that made me very emotional because I've had conversations like that where I feel like I'm opening my soul. I this is going to be very difficult, like what I'm going to say, um, because men, like I do, and I and uh, men at large do as well, just have a problem putting putting it all out there and putting 
and making ourselves vulnerable. And so that and that scene where you uh, Curtis is or Shannon is acting as a man who doesn't even know what is happening inside his heart and mind because he can't process it because he doesn't know what's true, which is a powerful allegory for a lot of like just processing through relationships and like working through things that happen um, and especially with mental health. Um, So that scene, Nichols said, Nichols said the crew after we finished filming that scene was just completely silent. He said, I think it was that moment where they realized this isn't like a B grade uh, indie movie. This is the real deal. This is legit. These actors are really, really good. Um, And I thought that was a a great kind of commentary on that scene that I wanted to share. Yeah, I think that's a good, like, yes, absolutely. It was a, a very powerful scene. And I was thinking about, like, as that scene was going on, I was thinking, how many times has have there been couples just sitting across from a table like that, having those really tough conversations? And I thought about that with, like, not, like, uh, like, I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. But there have been conversations I've had similar to that where it's like, mm-hmm whatever this person's about to tell me is it's going to be tough to hear or whatever I'm about to say to someone is going to be really hard for that person to hear that. And I think that that's universal. Like, I I think that yes, the stereotype we have, like the standards we have put on men and the stereotype of men is that they cannot be vulnerable. That is, that is not okay. It's not manly or masculine for them to be vulnerable. But also I think, if you think about it from like a woman's a woman's perspective, um, we get criticized for being vulnerable, mm-hmm. but we also get criticized for not being vulnerable. So it's it's oh yeah, you know it's a double edged sword. But being vulnerable is so difficult. Like I I don't know how many times I have a conversation in a week with clients about how hard it is to be vulnerable, and it takes a lot of effort and it it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable, and I think people view it as being weak as a, as a weakness to be vulnerable when it's it's not. It, it's such a a courageous, brave act to to lay it all out there because you don't know what's going to happen. Like, how is this person going to receive this? If I if I tell this person about my my fears and my anxieties and my concerns are they gonna say that i'm a crazy person and it it's scary so instead i'm just gonna keep it all inside and not talk about it and then have a seizure and freak out because i'm not addressing these things so my body is taking it out on me mm-hmm. which which happens not necessarily to the point where you're having a seizure but often people who don't address their their mental health concerns or issues and just ignore it altogether. Their bo- it comes out some way, one way or the other. And often it could be like, yeah, my shoulders hurt or like my mm. shoulders are super tense. My back just hurts. Sore. Yeah. yeah. I just, I feel this like heaviness on my chest, but I don't, I don't know what's going on. Well, when was the last time you talked about anything going on in your life? Oh, I don't, I don't do that. That that's why. Yep. Olivia, I'm, I wanted to ask you, have you, have you had any experience counseling someone with schizophrenia? No, I haven't. Um, in the, the settings in which I work, it's, it's a little more uncommon, but I think if I were to work more so in like community mental health, it's a little more common. Um, just because I work on a college campus and, and 
most of those kids come from um not to say that this doesn't happen in, in like well-to-do families but a lot of the, the students i work with uh don't really have those issues per se not to say that that doesn't happen because it does um it's just more rare um and then the other place i work at is more of a private practice and so um it, it's just not seen as often in those settings not to say it doesn't but yeah I personally have not worked with anyone who has schizophrenia. I also, to my knowledge, don't know anyone who has schizophrenia. Um, I don't remember what the statistics are, but it's not super common. Mm -hmm. But if you have someone in your family who has schizophrenia, the likelihood of you also developing it at some point increases. And so Mm. uh, you see that in this, like they talk about, you know, his, his mom has schizophrenia. So of course that becomes a a greater concern for him because a direct relative has, has it. And so, um, he is scared about, about getting it. And you see that in like other, other shows and movies too. Like I think about in criminal minds, uh, one of the characters, his mom has schizophrenia. And while he is brilliant, he's concerned that he at some point will also develop it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but schizophrenia is, I think, something that people just look at as being crazy, and it's it's not. It, it's it's a very much a, a real thing, and it it's difficult. Like like it, it's hard to. I I would imagine it would be hard to be married to someone who has it just because you're constantly having to like bring them back to reality and having to go. No, this this is not real, and I think that you can see that with. The character of Sam trying to figure out like, okay, how can I love my husband and be there for him and support him through, you know, sickness and in health when I don't know what is happening and I don't know like how to help him. Um, and, and I think that, you know, at some point she, you can tell she's questioning like, do I leave him? Do I leave him for, because I can't deal with this, but also for the safety of our daughter. And I, he asked her at one point, are you going to leave me? Just very point blank. Like, are you going to leave me? And um, the scene at the very end where they're at the the psychiatrist's office, um, sometimes people who have schizophrenia do need to go inpatient, which is, I think, scary for a lot of people to go inpatient because it makes it real. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it as long as the services are, are good and adequate, it can be very helpful. And, and people who have schizophrenia... It's important for them to to stay on this regimen and make sure they're taking medication, which that's a whole nother thing is is often people who take medication for for anything, but especially schizophrenia. Like I, I have heard lots of people complain about um, feeling like foggy, feeling like a zombie, feeling like they're not themselves because of the medication. That's that's really hard. Yeah. And it's hard because it's like, do you continue taking the medication because it's yeah. going to help you kind of stay grounded or do you forego the medication but also risk risk these uh paranoias coming in and mm-hmm. and paranoid schizophrenia is just one form of schizophrenia but i think it's what most people think of when they think of schizophrenia yep so so it's kind of like um this is a layman's definition of paranoid schizophrenia but it's kind of like you, you like kind of heightened obsessive paranoia uh, or that's one of the uh, the symptoms. That- yeah. So there's often like um, de- like what is referred to as delusions. So thinking mm-hmm. some something is like someone is 
like either watching you either it's the government or like god um which is always interesting when it's it's religious like that um but like someone is watching you you're being watched somehow um so that's like part of it but also there can be like um you can feel like there's there's different hallucinate hallucinogens hallucinations not hallucinogens those are drugs um hallucinations so there's like auditory and visual um yeah, he said so that curtis sees yeah or, he's seeing yeah he sees the birds yeah here's the crack of thunder that Dewart clearly does not hear right yeah and it's typically one or the other it's it's very rare for it to be both um but i see it portrayed as being both all the time so and i think i think the auditory is the most common i i, I believe that's correct interesting okay very interesting okay thanks for your your professional counselor this was this opinion. was psychology with olivia psychology time with with olivia clement um let's see oh let's talk about the ending or let's talk about the i ending. was gonna say let's talk about the music oh, oh let's talk the about music, the music in the ending okay let's talk about both yeah let's talk about both great Ben Nichols did the music again. Very, very different from Shotgun Stories. Mm -hmm. uh, Shotgun Stories was kind of bluesy and grungy and slow paced. Uh, and this is a little more, a, a little bit more high concept, but still not too flashy mm -hmm. and aids every single scene very, very well. From the visions to mm -hmm. of him looking at the, the flock of birds to the moment um, when Curtis comes up out of the shelter after that long night mm -hmm. storm um, i remember the first time i watched that i was like there's gonna be like some aliens on the other side of the door or something yep. when you open the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like a nuke the a whole city is completely nuked so, yeah, yeah somehow a nuclear war had started but uh, uh, i yeah i need to confess something Okay. I had no idea that Ben Nichols was Jeff Nichols's brother until <laughs> I I never put those together until I was like on Jeff Nichols's IMDb page and it said he's the brother of, of Ben Nichols, yeah. band member of uh whatever the band is. And I was Lucero, like Lucero, I think. Yeah, Lucero. And I was like I am an idiot. It's how did you not put that together? So That's okay. Anyway, maybe I maybe fine. I uh, laughed laugh too hard but uh, no i think i think it was worthy of that not not to ridicule you but more it like was. i would probably do the same thing and just make <laughs> a simple mistake um what what do you guys think is this the most unnerving scene for me it's the it's the nightmare that he has when his daughter's looking out the window and there's someone standing out there and it's raining and then the whole room just like kind of upends mm -hmm. yeah it's probably that because like when you see the person the outline of the person through the glass i was like oh my gosh like this is kind of freaky like, yeah what about was, you guys that one was a good one but unnerving i would just say that the confrontation between uh curtis and duart at the at the club man that was so, yeah. just so intense and mm -hmm. i was like oh i want to look away but i can't look away yeah yeah yeah. And then just whenever uh, Curtis and Samantha are going back and forth with each other, that man, all those moments were so intense and real. And mm -hmm. I the the dream he has with with the dog 
really i think oh, that yeah. was like that yeah. that really like woke me up i guess i was just like oh oh my gosh the dog is like i i just really freaked me out that the dog was attacking him um that's like the first dream right it's yes. the, i think it's the first it okay. might be the second dream okay. maybe it's the first dream i can't remember off the top of my head um but I think that's a insight into nickel's relationship with pets and maybe specifically dogs because in shotgun stories the dog gets killed and in this yeah. in take shelter he sends the dog away with his brother yeah and it's like oh, i mean you're just like getting rid of like like you love this dog but also you don't trust this dog anymore um, yeah i don't know if, he, I don't know if he's afraid of dogs maybe i should look it up What'd you say, Eric? I said, what, what's going to happen to the dog in mud? I don't know if anything, if there is a prominent dog in mud. I don't yeah, think I there is. I can't remember. I, it's been or so long since I've seen mud. Yeah. There's uh, no dog in Midnight Special, although that would have been awesome because in Mid- Midnight Special is like a road trip movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it would have been awesome if there was like this big old lab or something. <laughs> Real quick, this is super funny. Last night I was at Pasta Grill in Conway outside waiting to for our table reservation and this huge is it is mastiff the breed of dog with kind of the pushed in nose but they're like really big i'm gonna look this up real quick this is a really funny story so okay so it was like or maybe it's like a shaggy a long-haired mastiff i think that's what it was i look up in this van right in front of me like parked off of front street um (laughs) he this there's like an English mastiff that's huge, probably like three or three and a half or four feet long. And he gets up and is moving around in the car and moves to the front seat from the back seat. And I was like, oh man, uh, this dog is huge. He lays his head on the horn and honks for like a <laughs> long time. And all these people who are standing outside like turn over and see this dog like with his nose on the horn but he was trying to just lay his head in the driver's seat he was just seat. trying to get comfy he was just trying to get comfy and we That's... all just died laughing it was <laughs> it was a great a great unexpected moment i mean that's nice. a big old dog to have in a car so <laughs> yep and the dog in take shelter is a really pretty german yeah. shepherd so mm-hmm. also side note i this has nothing to do oh it kind of has something to do with the dog uh Typically, when people start get like after they've been kind of like depressed or like down, like like Curtis had been, when they start giving away their belongings, belongings and such, it's like a it's a sign of like oh maybe they're suicidal. Oh, um, so I was like, oh my gosh, I, that's where I thought that was gonna go at one point. Like, is he gonna like kill himself? I thought I thought I was gonna get real dark along that line where when they're in the shelter and like mm-hmm. yeah they're, yes. they're just gonna yes. leave him in there yeah. i was like he, he's not coming out of there ever again i thought yeah. that, was, that was how i was gonna go but it did not yeah i was so I much tension that. in that moment because you're not sure if he's gonna turn obsessively like we mm-hmm. are not leaving like or or violent towards them and i didn't i didn't think that at that point you don't think that he is a danger a direct danger Right. to his wife or daughter but you think that there's definitely a possibility that he might like you are not leaving i'm not gonna let you leave yeah. this is like there's danger out there i don't know what it is but you're not leaving yeah yeah and, and that scene when they're in the shelter and sam is like okay we need to like we need to go back like we need to leave it's okay the storm has passed and and sh- like curtis is like n- no it it's not over and like that that scene is really moving and powerful too like both 
Jessica Chastain and Michael Shannon just are acting so well in that scene. It's it's really powerful. And I think it like really highlights how how severe delusions can get and and how much control fear and anxiety can have over a person. Yeah, I agree. That, that there was one line Jessica Chastain said, I think it's when uh they're trying to get Curtis to unlock the door and, and Samantha goes, This this is what it means to love us. I thought that mm-hmm. was like a brilliant line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All just all all of the dialogue and all the lines. It's just so well written and, and natural by Jeff Nichols. It, it it amazes me that he's both director and writer for everything he does. Yeah, mm-hmm. for the five that we're gonna cover. Um he didn't write Hank the Cowdog, but he did a podcast <laughs> on him. So <laughs> Head of Ranch Security. I'm so excited to cover Hank the Cowdog. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Um, final thoughts about Take Shelter. I think that we've had some we've had some really great discussion. We've talked about the the mental health aspect of this movie mm-hmm. in a in a deep way, and heard some really great insight from Olivia. Olivia, you do think just to you know verify this, you do think that this is a a thoughtful depiction of someone struggling with mental health, correct? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I think it highlights how difficult it is to to be, one, struggling with it because, you, like, you can tell Curtis is like, I I don't want to talk about it because then it makes it real. Um, he bought a book to self-diagnose himself, too. Yeah, which is always, don't ever self-diagnose. No it's a mistake. No WebMD, stay off of it. WebMD just tells you that you're gonna die. You're gonna die. (laughs) My head hurts. It's brain cancer, and you're gonna die. Brain cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, you can see how how these dreams that he's having, these visions he is having, um, really are impacting him. And and you know, especially in like flyover country, men are not allowed to to be vulnerable or or share that they're scared or, or worried or anything. So you can definitely see that in Michael Shannon's portrayal of Curtis. And then also in um, Jessica Chastain's portrayal of Sam, like you can see like the worry and concern she has for her husband, for her daughter, like for her own safety um, and being torn between, do I stay with him and support him and love him? And do I, do I leave? Cause it, it, it would be easier just to leave. Mm-hmm. It would be messy, but it would be easier. Supporting someone with mental health, with mental health issues is very difficult. And um, it's needed. Like people who, who have mental health issues need support and need to be mm-hmm. loved by others, but it's difficult for sure. Um, so so yeah, I think that it's very thoughtful. It it's probably my favorite depiction so far that I've seen. Of, really? Yeah, that's high. That's very high praise. Most of the time, schizo- people who have schizophrenia are portrayed as being insane, like or actually insane. Yeah, Joker. yeah, and, and are, are like villainized and and viewed as being bad, and and they're not. And, and so I I appreciated that he wasn't villainized really i mean in the the confrontation scene you can tell like um Dewart wanted to villainize him for for wronging him and getting him you know two weeks no paid yep um no pay and so but at that point you've seen so much like of 
right shannon acting or portraying curtis as conflicted um fearful Mm -hmm. but also like sensitive and tender and like trying to grapple with what's happening in his mind right and so you don't like it could have been you know if it had been a different director they probably would have directed uh shannon to act more unhinged like you Mm -hmm. have to keep the audience guessing but uh and I love this about, I just love this about Nichols. Nichols is like, no, like be a human, be like yeah. a real guy going through. Right. Yeah. Thing. And, and that's, and that's what I, I love about this movie and the performance mm-hmm. and the story and direction. So yeah, that that's a good point. It, it's a humanized mm-hmm. portrayal of, of mental illness until, until it's not like, is it, is it right. mental illness or not? Uh, because at the end that's I mean, my like, interpretation is he's a prophet the whole time yeah, yeah and and i also especially the scene the confrontation scene like i was thinking this is probably what noah was experiencing when he was like yes, building the ark and everyone point. was like what are you doing it hasn't rained and you're you know, a moron like forever. this huge yeah like, do you know how big the, the ark was like massive that's like like took up acres of, yeah. of land and and so that's kind of what it like when he was saying like something's coming i i know it i've had these these dreams these visions something is coming and then it does yep so yeah, yeah i i i was thinking about noah during that that scene. Eric, tell tell us we we have plenty of time to to discuss the ending um tell us about so you think that that Curtis was a prophet. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think he was the, a prophet the whole time. I mean, he, he definitely had the, the sentences of schizophrenia um, as you can see throughout the movie, but I mean, everything he saw, I mean, it, it came to realization at the end of the movie. And, and that's why I think the ending is so brilliant. And the whole story is the, you start the, the, the movie, it's a journey of one man. Then at the end of it, his family experiences what he's been experiencing the whole time. And it's, yep. it's so rewarding to see Jessica Chastain, like come to that realization. Like, Oh my God, like this is real. This is, this is real. Yeah. This is what he's been going through. This is what he's been trying to to prepare us for. And that's, that's why I'm just, I was blown away by the ending. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that I, I mentioned this earlier, like the aspect of faith. I think that that's the thing that, that where faith ties in to where you don't, you don't know why, like you and that's i think that's another great credit to this movie is like the the visions of uh the daughter being taken out of the car which is also pretty freaky yeah um, that was terrifying oh, yeah. that was yeah. a terrifying and, and, and like i would imagine yeah. how that would make me feel as a dad if like if i had a dream like that i had a dream recently that i go i go running a lot and i had a dream that i was just walking down forest lane and uh which is near where i live and on the way back to my house and i turned around and someone was like right behind me i never have nightmares like that but i woke up and i was like did that happen no that was a dream but like i can imagine having a vivid dream like that where your daughter or someone loved one gets taken and that's the credit of the movie is like you don't know why you don't know why the rain infects the people or is going Mm -hmm. to infect the people to act crazy you don't know who it infects if it infects like certain types of people because mm-hmm. the rain gets on Curtis and it doesn't do anything to him right at the end. Mm-hmm. Th- so much mystery is contained mm-hmm. and the mystery is like the overarching 
themes of like the mechanics of the rain and all that stuff, but it's not the point. Like Nichols so skillfully indicates in the script that like the point is Curtis and Sam mm-hmm. and like his acceptance of, I guess something is wrong with me, but I'm going to like, just keep t- it's like, it, it, it's faith in that sense. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. keep taking the next step, step towards rehabilitation or in medication or, or like something. But then it's like, Oh, it turns out like you were actually right. This is, yeah. there's this crazy storm coming and all this stuff is going to happen. Um, it would be interesting. I don't think Nichols would do this on a Shyamalan level, but like a sequel <laughs> to take shelter, <laughs> but it's like in disguise, like it is an apocalyptic movie, but then you realize like, Oh, this is like, this happened right after the end of take shelter. I don't think that would ever happen, but it would be interesting to see. Yeah. I was just thinking it would be interesting to see like what happened after, after the ending. Um, yeah. Also, I had a very vivid dream recently where I woke up or like in my dream, I had missed a complete a whole class of grad school and I was going to fail and not graduate. And it really freaked me out because I woke up thinking, hi, Rose. Isaac, Isaac just okay. put up his his cat. It's really she's so cute. Um, but I had this dream where I was like, I was very much sure that I had missed an entire class of grad school, which meant I wasn't going to graduate. And then I woke up and I had to remind myself. No, you've you have been out of school for like a year now. Yeah. Calm down. Yep. It's okay. You're fine. You're fine. But it was very vivid. And it was like a Saturday morning, like, I have the day off. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was a Saturday morning. I was just was making that joke. Just making the joke. Making that joke. It I'm gonna look works. through real quick and see if there's if there was anything else notable from the commentary that I picked up. But do you guys have any any final comments? This is a great movie. It's yeah, so it's, good. This is a this is a great indie indie movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, I I loved it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. I, I love the movie. It's probably I don't I go back and forth between this one and Mud is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just on the based way. on the recency factor, I, I like it a lot. And mm-hmm. after talking about it with y'all, I mean, there's just so much to this movie. Um, and it's yeah. not a long movie. I mean, that that's like always the X factor to me. If it's like right in that sweet spot of hour thirty to two hours long, yeah. Yep. That's always winning some points for me. And yeah, I got really excited when I saw how long the movie was. I was like, yes, this yeah, is gonna be great. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, make movies shorter. Right. We had Flyover Film Country advocate for that. Yeah, yep. big fans. And Jeff Nichols, he uses like every minute of screen time to yep. to make yes. the, the plot progress and the characters grow. And yeah, it's it's great. Uh, yep. would love to see um, him do something like this uh, again for his next film. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will say I, and I wrote about this in the post that I put up a couple weeks ago for Shotgun Stories. Um, one of the things that he's working on right now is it's called The Yankee Com- Commandant, and it's starring oh, right. Adam Driver. Hasn't gone into production yet, but it's about this guy from Ohio who got enro- in enmeshed in a bunch of conflict in the, like the Cuban Revolution. Apparently, this is a true story, and so I'm very excited to see about that. Sounds, that like, sounds like, like an epic scale. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. a little bit more epic, a little more um, a larger budget, which like I would yeah. love to see Nichols do do more yeah. stuff with more money. Um, so so there's that, and then he is also, and I think that we got we talked about this or that I told you guys, but he's gonna be the director for the third Quiet Place movie. Okay, yeah, I was about Heck to say, yeah. I don't yeah. remember where I saw that, but I was going to so bring that up. So this is the prequel to Quiet Place. Maybe. maybe. Yes. I bet no, I would I thought of Quiet Place 2. was in it. So oh, is, is it really going to be a prequel to Quiet Place 2? Qui- I think a Quiet, Quiet Place, Place 2, two takes two right is, after 1. Oh, oh okay. it takes 
Okay. Okay. But it they does? don't know. I thought it took place before. No, because I mean, if you watch the trailer, oh, Krasinski's dead. Krasinski's not, not in it. Yeah, and Emily Blunt is like Roman or free. She's free Roman. But the know. kids are okay. with her. Yeah, yeah. I love I, Quiet I Place. Know. Love that movie. I've only seen it once. I loved it. I, it's yeah, so I good. Watch it. I, and when you watch Take Shelter, Take Shelter is a great like. I could see how this guy would do a movie like A Quiet Place. Yeah, for sure. Where the yeah. whole tension is like, just do not make any noise. Oh, he's gonna make <laughs> yeah. it. Oh man, yep. it's gonna be nuts. Yep. Because because the and we this was an aspect that we didn't talk about as much, but the tension he just skillfully builds that mm-hmm. tension in every scene, um, and it starts with emotional tension, which I guess would be a, a great prelude to something like a, a Quiet Place, where you literally cannot make any noise. Like that is the whole rule of the movie. So, yeah. what are y'all's final thoughts on the movie? It was great. I w- I would watch it again. Four and a half stars. Nice. I gave it a four. Four. I gave it a four piece. as well. It was good. It was great. Big fan. Good. Great. Big fan. Our next episode on Jeff Nichols. We are going to save mud for last, and in honor of Black History Month in February, we are going to jump ahead of schedule and discuss loving with Adina White of Black Belt Voices. And that episode is going to drop on February 20th. So we're very excited to discuss that and have a guest um, for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And Adina's great. Um, she was my colleague until yesterday, which was my last day um, at the Chamber of Commerce before starting a new job, which I'm very excited about. But uh, she's a great friend and uh, just respect her a lot. And I kind of explained, so Black Belt Voices, just an amazing project that she's working on, amazing podcast. Black Belt Voices is produ- like expertly produced, kind of like an NPR show like Code Switch. And that is not what our show is like. Our show <laughs> is very much one conversation if you, if you <laughs> say something dumb like I do all the time. It's going to be in the tape. Yes, exactly. So, well... Everybody, thank you for joining us. We will see you next time. My cat's eating my, my bamboo plant. Ah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, everyone, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends who love De- Jeff Nichols. Uh, please comment and reach out to us if you disagree with something that we said or agree or want to uh, provide any comments that we might be able to follow up on. Yeah. In the future. So I'm Isaac Sims signing off from Conway, Arkansas. I'm Olivia Clement signing off from Oklahoma. And I'm Eric Pham signing off from Fort Smith, Arkansas. We will see you guys later. Bye. uh, Remember to take shelter. Take shelter. (laughs) Take luck and shelter. (laughs) 